This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Hey, folks, before we get started today, let's hear from Bill, our founder here at Athletic Brewing, and he's got some uh, some news and announcements for us. Hey, Mason, Bill here. I appreciate you kicking it over to me for an important message. Um, a couple of weeks ago when we made our official company statement from me and John about the Black Lives Matter movement and how important we thought it was to stand up for what we know is right, but that we had never publicly made a stand for to really help influence our community and share our values and state that out loud. Um, we wanted to follow up on that and confirm that we have made our six donations, which are all really big, important donations for our company. Um, as you outlined on the last podcast, we donated to the United Negro College Fund, the Equal Justice Initiative, the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, the Brewing for Change Collaborative, and the Facing History and Ourselves Educational Group. Um, in addition, and these are just first donations. And now after we made the monetary donations, we're reaching out to those communities and seeing how we can get involved physically and with our horsepower of our team and community. Um, and this is really just the first year and we're excited to step that up in years to come. Um, along the same lines, there's an important holiday today, this morning, that not everyone in this country sadly may be aware of. It's called Juneteenth and it's a celebration of the end of slavery in America. Um, I don't want to go too far into it here because I want to encourage people to go online and read about it and share it with their communities and families. But here at Athletic, we are standing up for that as a national holiday and would like to make a statement that we think it should be as such. And we're giving our whole team a holiday um, with paid overtime hours off. So um, definitely steps in the right direction. And we're proud to support all of our communities. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Thanks. You know, you've heard me say it before, and I'm just going to say it again. So inspiring to be on this team here at Athletic Brewing, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I love that we're using our platform of selling non-alcoholic beer to, to do what we can, do what we can to make a dent in this universe in a good way. And I encourage all of y'all to use your voice as well. Um, you know, and speaking of folks that are learning and using their voice to, to make a difference, uh, today's guest is just incredibly inspiring. Uh, Rachel Rapino found her passion for understanding the human body, understanding sports recovery, really after her own body started breaking down in college and, and not long after. Uh, she was facing a lot of injuries and didn't think recovery was where it needed to be and understanding the body was where it needed to be. So she started dedicating her life to that. And she has since started a company called Mindy that is just literally all about that. But like I said, uh, Rachel was just an extremely talented player. She went to the University of Portland with her twin sister, Megan, you may know from uh, the U.S. Women's World Cup team when they won a few years ago. But Megan and Rachel went to school at the University of Portland together, won a national championship. That team is now in the NCAA Hall of Fame. 
So she, she has some serious soccer chops. And, and, you know, like I said, injury started holding her back. And so she took a hard pivot in life and started understanding the body and dedicating herself to that. So I think you'll enjoy this story. Enjoy just what it took to get through that and what it takes to constantly build upon that and learn about that and to and to grow as a person and grow as an athlete despite life's really unfair and strange twists and turns. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you continue using your voice to make a difference out there. All right, folks, uh, welcome to today's show. We've got awesome guests. I'm excited to learn more about her story. Uh, there's a lot I don't know, so I'll be learning along with you. But uh, Rachel Rapino, welcome to Without Compromise. Thank you, Mason, for having me. I'm excited to to share a little bit about who I am and my story with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always ask this first. Uh, where where are you being? Uh, you know, holing up for quarantine right now. Where's where's home for you, and what what are you doing? Home for me is Portland, Oregon. I've lived here on and off for approaching 15 years, which is scary because that just means I'm getting older and older. Um, but yeah, I played soccer here at the University of Portland with my twin sister, Megan Rapino, and then left for a few years, played abroad. And then I came back fall of 2013 and never left. Portland's home then. I love Portland. I love the Pacific Northwest. I'm from California originally, grew up in Northern, lived in Southern for a little bit, but I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm I'm officially an Oregonian now. So so you say you grew up in Northern California. What what did you grow up doing sports wise? Was it always soccer or was it something else? Um, it, I mean, honestly, it was everything. My sister and I were total sport junkies. We grew <laughs> up in the country on like five acres, and so we had you know we played basketball, we played football, we played soccer, we actually played roller hockey for a while. You know anything that we could do to just like release some energy and also compete with one another because we had that built-in 1v1 competition every single day we did but i would say our our loves were basketball and soccer but we also did we ran track for um like junior high and then through high school and then we also swam competitively which by we hated actually growing up but my mom made us do it for cross training and now i'm so thankful that she made us swim and that I know how to swim properly. I, I will say swimming is probably the hardest thing like to get used to. Was there mm-hmm. the, the cross training? What, so what aspect are you happy about having now? Is it, is there something that you've benefited from? Well, I just think it's really empowering first of all, to be, to be comfortable in the water. Cause mm-hmm. I do, I agree. We grew up around great lakes and, and rivers. We had two big, beautiful lakes and around Redding. Um, and, but obviously I'm, I'm comfortable in the ocean um, so I think just in general, it's really, it's really empowering to be comfortable with water. And I love the water. And then, yeah, like I've just had so many injuries and coming back during the rehabilitation process, obviously you can't run when you're recovering from an ACL injury or an ankle surgery. So swimming was just such a great alternative. Um, and, you know, I'd be lying if I said I swim regularly now getting to the pool here in Portland is kind of tough, but I always, I enjoy it and it's a great workout. Absolutely. Yeah. You can definitely tell when you, you swam, um, at the end of the day and you sleep, it's like the best sleep ever mm-hmm. when you really yeah. swim. So, you know, you mentioned your sister, y'all are twins, of course. I mean, was it like this micro, you know, you know how when two species intermingle and it's in like a, a prey and predator and they just co-evolve <laughs> in a little environment and it's ridiculous when you see it. Is that like what it was for you and your sister? You just... 
constantly trying to get better than one another. Then when you get out into the world, it's like, holy crap, we're so much better than other people at this thing together. Yeah. No, it was insane, Mason. Like we would, we would literally play the craziest games of like one v one basketball. We would play flag football on the street. I mean, it was like bloodied. We were bruised. We have stories of us because we were also really avid ping pong players and we had a ping pong table in the garage in high school. And I always beat Megan. It actually got to the point where like I'd play left handed sometimes, which would obviously piss her off even more. But we there are so many stories of one of us getting just so pissed during a ping pong match that we would slam the paddle on the table and break the paddle. Like we broke so many paddles just by slamming it against things out of frustration. Yeah, it was intense. Do you think you'd have, you know, the level of sports, you know, uh, uh, ability if you guys didn't have that consistent competitiveness literally 24-7? I don't think so. I mean, I think part of, you know, when you when you play Division One soccer, when you go on to play in the pros and then obviously go on to be an athlete like Megan, I mean, that's you're talking about like less than 0.0001% of the population. So there's just a certain level of genetically gifted talent that you have to have. But aside from the talent, I think that what made Megan and I part of our greatness was that we were we were so comfortable being just tenaciously competitive and brutally honest with each other during competition that it just like it drove us. You know, we also have so many stories of our teammates just getting so uncomfortable sometimes at practice or in the middle of a game because Megan and I would be so mad at each other because if I felt like she wasn't trying hard enough or if she was, you know, if she was pissed at me for giving away uh, that ball or missing that free throw or, you know, tackling that player or whatever, like we would just, we would just be brutally honest. And you just can't do that with your, I mean, at least for females, that's not typical. You know, I, I know that men tend to be a little bit more honest with each other and are kind of like just leave it all out there. But women don't do that as much. So I think that was that was pretty de- defining and, and character building for Meg and I to just like be able to just yell and scream at each other, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a unique relationship. Almost like when the coach has a son or daughter on the team. It's just a different aspect to it. And for mm-hmm. better or worse for you guys, obviously it worked. I actually have two twin brothers that are a year younger than me. And they have not put that ability to use as well as you and Megan have. They really just fight all the time. That's all they ever did. So I was like, dang it, if they would have, you know, channeled it into something positive like this, maybe they'd be professional yeah. athletes too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's what it was. Megan and I, we were gifted. Obviously, we had some natural talent. And then we just truly love sports. Oh, man. Like through and through. And so at some point, you know, you the soccer began to to kind of emerge then the you know then ping pong and basketball and all that what, what kind of <laughs> led to that was it just you know was it just kind of what you felt naturally gifted at or did it make the most sense at some point well you know to be honest mason i would say you know a lot of through high school basketball was our first love like it really we played soccer um competitively down in sacramento which is like about a two and a half hour drive and you know we really enjoyed it but at times it felt like it was kind of a grind you know and basketball really became an outlet for us and it was just we were just so passionate about it we were huge michael jordan fans chicago bull fans uh whereas at the time you know we didn't have a lot of soccer players to look up to um the 99 world cup was incredible but then after that like the w the wusa the wusa league had folded and uh there just weren't like a lot of female soccer players or even male soccer players at the time that Megan and I really like 
admired. Um, so basketball was just on TV all the time. It was our first love. But what happened was, is we stopped growing. And so, you know, I'm five, four and Megan's five, six. And, you know, we were having basically every D one college under the sun for soccer, you know, writing us letters and, and wanting to chat with us or offering us scholarships. And then for on the basketball side, it was like D two at best three mostly or like NAIA. So when you're looking at these schools, it's like, okay, where sh- you know, what school am I going to choose? What path am I going to choose? It's going to set me up for success in the long run. And that just, it became clear, um, sophomore, junior year that it was going to be soccer. And, and you ended up going to the university of Portland together. Was that, was that a hard decision or did, did that come just seem to come naturally? No, it was not natural. I mean, I actually wanted to go East coast. I wanted something totally different. I'm a little bit more like adventurous I would say than Meg and like just willing to kind of put myself in a situation where I don't really know if it's going to work out you know I kind of have a little bit more of that approach to life and I think you know I just wanted to get out of California I wanted something totally different and to be honest I I was willing to, to not go to school with Megan you know I think I kind of wanted to just like do my own thing but Meg was still pretty reserved and shy at the time and she wanted to stay west coast so we eventually, I think our junior year, we told the coaches that we're kind of a package deal and that we were going to go together and we were going to stay on the West Coast. Um, so, you know, our top schools were like Stanford, UCLA, Santa Clara and Portland. And we went to the University of Portland to do our official visit. And we knew right away that this was going to be our home. We loved it. We loved the air up here. So crisp, beautiful. We love the city. I love that it was out of California. <clears throat> um, so it was a pretty easy choice, actually, once we actually visited UP. You know, at some point you started, you know, dealing with, unfortunately, injuries. C- could you mm-hmm. talk about just as an athlete and as a lifelong athlete and highly competitive with your sister, what what started going through your mind? What was some of the process of dealing with that? Were you hopeful? Was it was it pretty serious right up from the get-go? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what began mm-hmm. to change for you personally? You know, unfortunately, when I came to to the University of Portland and started playing college soccer, it was kind of the beginning of my physical demise. I think uh, up until that point, Megan and I had never just done one sport. We had done, you know, soccer and then basketball and then track and then swimming. And, you know, so we were kind of playing all these different sports. And I think that's the way Megan and I just like to do life. Like we don't, we're both not someone that wants to just do one thing and do it all the time. Like we like doing things in moderation and we like, um, you know, having a variety, um, of, of different, uh, exercises or activities. So that was really tough for us and for me in particular. And then obviously, you know, I'm away from mama's home cooking. I wasn't eating right. Um, (laughs) staying up way too late. And, you know, as every freshman does, but I became like very sick. I was like severely anemic and we didn't know for about a year. So it was like with the anemia and then I finally, you know, got better from that. And then I was kind of having a breakout year, my junior year. And then I tore my ACL and then recovered from that four games into the next year, tore my ACL again. So it just, I just was never able to play like a full season. Megan and I played a half a season together in our entire four-year stint because she had two ACLs. I had two ACLs. I had anemia. Yeah, I just didn't – it just wasn't for me. I think I just, you know, I realized kind of through college and after college that um, I I like doing multiple disciplines. I don't really like doing just like one thing all the time, you know. 
Yeah. Well, was that was that hard to accept the not not the end of your athletic career necessarily, but just the end of it at that level? Yeah, it kind of was. You know, I was definitely a very talented player. I'm I I am like gifted athletically, um, and I think the the hardest part was like not. I felt like I just never was able to reach my full potential because my body just physically couldn't do it. I just couldn't train at that level for that long, but I was just, I, I am and was naturally gifted. So I think that that was the hardest part. I think is just never really feeling like I was able to, to reach my potential. So, so what was something that maybe give you, gave you some inspiration or gave you some peace or, or what did you start getting into at that point? Just cause I, I know a lot of athletes, out there are facing this, you know, either as young as you did or, or later on. I know personally for me, I've had a few injuries and it's just, it's really, it can be very hard to accept and hard to, to find out really who you are, you know, kind of build your identity around something else. Yeah. Well, I think it was two things. Um, when I, when I was realizing and called my junior, senior year that like, I probably wasn't going to have a, a strong career after college in soccer I, I really dove in. I've not always been academic, but like I really dove into science. I didn't know that I loved science until I went to college and I just fell in love with biology. I, you know, got my BS and I have my MS in, in health and exercise now. And, you know, that really spawned my love for academics as well as just like sports science um, and just health and wellness. You know, like when you go through that many injuries, you really have you, you learn your body in a totally different way. Um, so I became very present with my body, very intentional with my body. And then post-college, when I graduated, I was able to just like do all the things that I was never able to do when I was playing, like cycling and swimming and, you know, snowboarding and, um, just distance running. Like I, I started doing Olympic triathlons in Reading. I did that for a couple of years. Um, and the training for that was really challenging, but really tough. And again, you're doing three different disciplines, which, gave my body a little bit of a break, you know, from just the constant running and training of soccer. So I fell in love with, with like working out and exercising in a, in a different way. Yeah. That's a, that's a totally different pace. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like people at the college age and even, you know, just younger people tend to go for those high intensity, really agile sports. And as you get older, you, you, you want to do things more endurance based. It's hard to be that discipline when you're really young, but the discipline that it takes to be a triathlete is insane. And so that's really interesting. So that those three sports, was that easier on your, your body and your injuries than constant changing of motion and shifting of weight of, of soccer? Yeah, I would say the definitely the cycling and the swimming is much easier on my body and on my knees. I've had four knee surgeries. I've had an ankle surgery. So, um, much easier. I don't swim as much anymore. Now, again, it's kind of shifted actually Mason into back into like more high intensity movements. And part of that is because I don't have the time to be working out for like an hour or two or day, you know? So now I kind of have to get a lot of bang for my buck. So I've kind of resorted back to like interval training, high intensity training. I do love strength work, both body weight as well as like adding some weight on, um, I just, my, my joints feel better when I have more muscle, a little bit more muscle on me, you know? So I've kind of resorted back a little bit to this, the circuit training and high intensity training. And, you know, cause you can get a good workout in like 30 minutes as opposed to like an hour, hour and a half, you know? And I just, with, with the, the craziness of running Mindy, I don't always have 
a, a large chunks of my day to devote to working out, unfortunately. Oh, totally understandable. I mean, it's, uh, it's very easy to get busy today in today's world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I so I, you know, you said you developed this passion for science, uh, passion. Did you start seeing like just the recovery of athletes as being not ideal, like overall, like what, what did you start getting passionate about specifically? Was it, was it helping folks that were kind of facing the same challenges you were, or was it just the understanding of the body in general? What was it for you? Um, I think it was a mix of everything. It was nutrition, definitely. Uh, young kids and college kids and even professional athletes like don't quite understand the concept of fueling your body versus just eating. So, you know, what you're putting in your body is incredibly important. Yeah, preparation. So everything that you're doing outside of just that training session is going to affect that training session. So, you know, uh, pre-activation, your warm up, your cool down. Like, what are the things that you're doing outside of that competition or that practice that could just be a little bit better? And then, yeah, recovery. Recovery is just so important. Um, And I think definitely more athletes nowadays are paying attention to it and it's being incorporated into their training regimen, which is great. Um, Because the reality is, is like, most athletes are receiving pretty good training, you know, like it's, and no one's taking two months off anymore. If you're a professional athlete, you're staying fit all year round. Um, so then it becomes, you know, how well are you recovered for your next bout of exercise? Um, and that's, that's really like where I started to kind of geek out and then why Mindy was fond really. Yeah. So, so, you know, here at Athletic Bruin, one of the biggest aspects of why we're doing what we're doing is for recovery. Like obviously alcohol is not good for recovery, but Mm -hmm. you might have a party to go to. You might have somewhere to go to where there's alcohol and you, and you want to have fun and you want to enjoy the social aspect. And so we are giving you that beer without the effect of alcohol, which obviously affects your sleep, affects muscle recovery of so many different things. And so I know with Mindy, uh, like your motto or slogan, whatever you want to call it is recover better. Can you talk a little bit about Mindy, what it is and why you decided to start it? Well, yeah, I mean, our mission uh, through and through is to improve athletes' lives using nature's best tools. So nature being the key word there, you know, we see and have seen time and time again, these athletes being prescribed pills or taking over-the-counter meds or taking Ambien to help sleep. There's all these synthetic pills out there that mask things, but they don't actually get to the root of the problem. And they don't help, they don't help your, your um, anatomical systems, or they don't help, you know, your endocannabinoid system. They just, they're like beta blockers, right? So we, you know, we advocate obviously for, for cannabis, but also just for whole plants. Plants are incredible. Cannabis has an an incredible ability to feed your endocannabinoid system and keep, keep you at balance. And it's a wonderful pain reliever and anti-inflammatory and it helps with neurobalance and, you know, all of these great things that a pill like Ambien is trying to help with or Vicodin or, um, ibuprofen or Advil, you know, I mean, there's just Americans take so many pills every day that don't actually help them. And so that's the message that we are trying to convey with our products. And then particularly with athletes, like we think there's just a better way to take care of our athletes. You know, we love and revere sports so much in this country, but yet we allow a lot of terrible things to happen with our athletes. Um, Mm -hmm. And we kind of just are standing up against that, you know? 
That's a great way to put it. It, it. it is a balance between we love these athletes. Let's make sure we can protect these abilities that we love watching. Because mm-hmm. what what good is it if all our best athletes are are ruining their bodies or, you know, just hitting each other too hard? You know, football I immediately comes to mind with helmets and concussions and all that and that whole debate. And yeah, um, and that's a great that's a great point. And, and now. You know, I read this somewhere as well, and in, in, maybe we don't talk about this. I, I heard that in your life personally, growing up with your sister in Reading, drug use was prevalent in your area, and you saw kind of the devastation of it, of, of substances in, mm-hmm. in people around you. Would you say that's part of the inspiration behind this? Very much so. And if you read a little bit deeper, which you may have, I mean, I have a brother who's a heroin addict, and he still is, and he's been in and out of prison since I can remember. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it was the opiate pills that took his life. I mean, I think he was already kind of on that path, and he was already kind of like, you know, dabbling into other drugs. But he definitely, you know, he definitely became addicted to heroin. He definitely took pills. Uh, so I guess the pills didn't help, I guess. Um, mm. and the access to them was, was pretty easy, but yeah, I mean, that, that is a huge reason. And I would even argue to say that, you know, cause I, again, I've had four knee surgeries. I've had an ankle surgery. I have taken so many opiates and at a, at a young age, like you're talking 20, 21 years old, taking opiates for a straight month, you know, like wow. after a few days, you're, you start to become dependent on them. Your brain becomes chemically altered like that quickly. And I really think that if it was not for already having a brother who is addicted to drugs, I probably would have misused those drugs and, and, you know, kind of succumbed to the addiction. Cause I definitely went through a withdrawal process. My body was physically addicted to him, but just mentally, I just couldn't let myself, you know, become addicted. And it was probably because I just seen what it did to my brother and to our family and just the devastation that it has, you know, um, and I just, but not everyone has that story. Not everyone has firsthand access to uh, what addiction can do to someone's life. And if you don't, then like how easy it, it is to become addicted to those pills. Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, I, I definitely have similar experiences with my family and, and anytime there's an option to where, you know, you like you said, you're standing up against it through Mindy. And so, you, you know, did you, did you see that this was also just too easy of an option for athletes? And it's great because it works, obviously, and it's easy, like I said, but it's so, there's, on the other side, the negative consequences are so great. It's almost like, why would you take that risk? Right. Well, that's why this has all come to a head, because it is so much easier for an athlete to get a Percocet or a Vicodin pill than it is for them to go smoke a joint. Um, in terms of getting it from their medical staff, you know, and, and that's the thing is like us as athletes and young kids and, and even adults, like we look to our medical practitioners as leaders and we look to them for advice and, you know, their hands are tied because cannabis isn't federally legal. Hemp is, but cannabis isn't. And there, there aren't enough controlled hemp studies for them to be prescribing hemp derived CBD. So their hands are tied a little bit too. But, you know, we look at the we look to these medical practitioners for guidance. And when someone's giving you a Percocet or giving you a a Vicodin instead of telling you to go smoke this joint, like you're going to take that pill. Right. So even in today's society with athletes, it is so easy to go get a prescription opiate. You know, I mean, obviously now in a lot of states you can walk into a dispensary, but, you know, I'm not hearing a lot of doctors or medical practitioners encourage athletes to go cannabis route versus 
opiate route. But fortunately, now we know the harm that opiates have on us. So I think the prescribing and the handing out is, is becoming less and less. But, you know, athletes are still in pain, so they still need something. You got to do something. And so for for someone like you who who is starting something to help stand up against this status quo, what is some of the reaction that you've seen, some of the feedback about what you're doing, as well as maybe some of the resistance? Because, you know, here at Athletic, we're obviously chasing a crazy idea, non-alcoholic uh, yeah. beer. So we definitely align with people like yourself who are also standing up to huge industries. Yeah. I mean, I would say like in terms of athletes and even a lot of medical practitioners, they're, they're open to it. Uh, you know, athletes have been using it for years. The genie's out of the bottle, like athletes use cannabis for sure. Uh, they just can't talk about it as freely as, as they probably would like to. Um, but they, they love the product. Of course, you know, there's that stigma of testing positive for THC. So there's just a lot of like education to do. I would say, you know, of course the, the pushback is from the leagues. Those are, these are the decision makers. And until they lift the cannabis bans or even just the CBD bans, that is going to be our constant wall of confrontation. I think what's going to help with that is education and just for the market to mature in general. There needs to be more education. There needs to be less restrictions in the industry. The FDA needs to come out with rules and regulations around hemp-derived products so we can we know how to talk about it. Because right now it's just kind of a free-for-all. You know, we know we, we can't say it diagnoses anything or it treats anything. We know that. But what can we talk about it? Because ultimately, like, our job is to protect the public, right? And we want to make sure that we're guiding people towards purchasing the best products for their bodies. But if we don't even know what we can and can't say about the products, then we're not really helping our consumers all that much, you know, in terms of education. So yeah, like anything, I mean, knowledge is power. Absolutely. Now, what what has been your experience kind of leading this charge as 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 a business owner and a business leader? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it similar mm-hmm. to experience of the grind of sport? A lot of athletes will maybe one day start a business, and the two can can be so similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, this is my second business, so I mean, while I have experience. Working in the cannabis industry is unlike any other industry. I mean, it really is so restricted. Um, I mean, people can hardly even bank. You can't get credit. Like all of our credit is on my personal line. So it's hard to raise money. It definitely can. It's tough to navigate. I think for us being a sports brand, there's good and bad. I mean, of course, you know, not every league has is allowing CBD. So we're, we're having to work around those hurdles and we're having to just be patient because it's a matter of time before every league allows it. But for now, you know, it's, we, we have to work around those hurdles, but the good news is that it's athletes love it. They're using it anyway, and they really have been looking for a trusted sports brand. And so we've, we've really been welcomed by the athletic community um, because there just hasn't been a brand that's like won the trust of athletes and, and we're doing that now. So I think, you know, w- we had an opportunity to, to kind of own this niche and, and we're doing it and that's great, but you know, it's all within like the understanding that we're still in a very restricted industry and we are just kind of like at the mercy of our government. And I hope that the FDA and I hope our federal government, I hope they can you know, continue to like take the steps in, in the right direction, which is to to lift the bands and to allow us to operate like every other industry. 
best case scenario, uh, kind of what you dream about, daydream about. What what do you hope to see in the next five to ten years in athletic recovery? So I'll answer it twofold. First one, just in terms of like government, I I hope that the FDA comes out with some rules and regulations soon. That way everyone is operating in the space with like the same understanding and same rules. So it's not confusing for consumers. The second thing is I really hope THC becomes federally legal. And with that, the Safe Banking Act passes. So companies who are making millions and millions of dollars are actually able to put their money in a bank where it's safe instead of like hiding it in God knows where. (laughs) Now on this, on the sports side, of course, I want these bans to be lifted. Um, And I think that there, there does need to be more controlled studies done, which are being done right now, which is amazing because we do need more data, right? Like we don't have a lot of data on dosage. We, you know, there's enough data to know that CBD, at least in itself, is not harmful and you can't overdose from it. But it's still important to to know numbers. Right. So then we can effectively tell consumers. Um, So once there's more data uh, derived from these studies, I think that it's important that these leagues, you know, lift the bands like we know it's not going to hurt athletes like Vicodin has been and like Ambien can. So why is that allowed there? But cannabis isn't. I mean, that really there's no logic to not allow cannabis in sports. I just don't understand that logic anyway. Because if you're saying that cannabis is the gateway drug to bigger and worse things, well, you already are allowing Percocet. You already are allowing all these prescription opiates. What's worse than that? You know? Sometimes logic doesn't seem to apply. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. So that's what I hope. I just, I hope it, the bans lift. I want it to become federally legal, both on the THC side and CBD. And then, you know, for companies to be able to safely put their money in a bank. It sounds yeah. you sound incredibly passionate about this. Um, I, I know I am. I'm sorry you know, if you, I get you, you I get be. a little out of control so much. <laughs> hey, you gotta be. No, it's fine. But you know, I, I I think we're getting close to the end. I, I would love to wrap up with a few. We we asked around six or five or six uh, rapid fire questions. Oh yeah, sounds great. Perfect. Fire away. Awesome. All right, rapid fire number one. What has been your favorite? I would say success in your career. This could either be sport or, or business. Ooh, well, I would say winning a national championship is pretty amazing. And that team actually got inducted into the NCAA hall of fame. So that's great. Getting a master's was definitely something on the bucket list. And then I would honestly say founding Mindy has been the highlight of my career thus, thus far. Wow. That's, I mean, that's some incredible stuff. And, and so, yeah, I didn't, we, I didn't mention that. I definitely knew that you you guys won a championship. I didn't know you were inducted to the NCAA Hall of Fame. That's incredible. Something yeah, super thank to you. be proud of. Yeah. So, so what would you say you're most curious about right now outside of you know what you do for work? Ooh, I mean, I love cooking. That I would say that's probably my my the way that I express myself. If if you want to compare it to art. Yeah, I love cooking. It's, it's truly, I mean, I, you know, even when I work out, I'm still kind of like thinking of other things, but I would say cooking is the only place where I I truly am like in that moment. And I'm not thinking about anything else. I think that's why I love it so much. For some reason, I'm just able to like completely be present, which I really struggle with anyway. So, you know, always, always looking for new recipes, new marinades, new ways to, uh, you know, heat or grill meat. Um, I'm definitely not a vegan, by the way. I eat meat. Uh, but yeah, cooking, cooking is my outlet for sure. 
That's uh, totally, totally understandable. It's definitely grown on me in the last few years, too. It is very, it's very meditative. And, w- and when you're done, you've got this mm-hmm. wonderful thing to eat. That's the most incredible part to me about it. Is it yeah. It's, uh, it, it's very fulfilling. Um, yeah, yeah. Meditative is a good word. It's, it's mindful because, again, you're like present. Yes, you have to be, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. you're going to burn something and your fire alarm goes off. You know what I mean? There's so You yeah. do have to be present. That's a great, uh-huh. I didn't think about that, but that's got to be one of the reasons as well. So you yeah. might have already answered this through that, but do you, do you have a hobby that you do that maybe you don't talk about a lot or post about a lot? Ooh, I would say, I mean, movement is something that I, I just love. Whether I'm working out, I mean, I'm inf- infamously known for just like dropping into a hamstring stretch, like kind of in the middle of a conversation. I just, I love stretching. I love moving my body. Uh, you know, I would say, um, you know, yoga, I do my own version of yoga. Like I don't go to yoga classes often, but yeah, I would say just like stretching and moving and just kind of like opening up my body is, is something that I'm uh, very well known for either good or bad. Last interview I did, I asked, you know, what's your favorite hobby? And he said emails. So that wasn't that exciting. Oh, so, gosh. So yoga is no. better. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, definitely not. When definitely I'm done with emails. work, I'm done. I leave my computer in my office. I, you know, I mean, if I have to be on my phone a little bit, I will, but I, I definitely try to be done when I'm done. Good for you. Cause that's, it's hard to do. That can be hard mm-hmm. to do. So, so what would you say is your biggest goal that you haven't yet achieved? Well, if I'm, am I allowed to just be honest? That's the goal. <laughs> I mean, I want to be, you know, the next female CEO of, of a billion dollar company. Yeah. I kind of fumbled through that, but I want to be the next female CEO of a billion dollar company. Um, I think that's pretty badass. I think, you know, definitely being a gay woman, um, coming from the background that I came from, um, you know, I, I definitely had a wonderful life growing up and there are people who had much more hardships than me, but you know, I came up from humble beginnings and I just, I do a lot of, a lot of my motivation derives from my family. And, um, I just think that I think it's incredibly important for representation and, you know, having a female leader, having a, you know, especially of a billion dollar company, someone who's gay, like there are just so many things that are to be celebrated about that. And I would, I would love to love to do that. That is quite a goal. And and in the pursuit of that goal, it is going to take, you know, doing, doing what we talk about every day, which is living, breathing, working without compromise. So to, to wrap this up, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? It means to be in balance. I think that if you want to be successful, you have to be prepared to work hard and you have to be prepared to sacrifice, but you don't have to let it consume you and you don't have to be imbalanced. I mm. also infamously have been known throughout my life to never compromising balance in my life um, to the point where people just, you know, probably thought I was crazy and I was giving up these other things because I knew that it was going to take too much emotional energy or whatever. Um, I think balance is very important. And that I will never compromise in my life. Wow. Great words of wisdom, Rachel. Um, there's a lot folks can learn from you. And yeah, that, that was those are some great answers. So I really appreciate you being on and talking about just your story and what you're doing and what you're passionate about. Of course. Well, I appreciate you letting me on your show. And uh, it was wonderful to meet you, Mason. And have a wonderful weekend. It was great to connect. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yes, sounds good. Sounds good. Bye-bye. 
All right, folks, there you have it. You can find out more about Rachel Rapino in the show notes, uh, where to follow her on Instagram, as well as about her company, Mindy, if you want to check out what they're doing there. And if you'd like to learn more about Athletic Brewing, go to athleticbrewing.com. So go check it out and keep getting out there to live without compromise.